From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Thank you for your ears. My name is Richard Serrett. This is a program that serves as a friendly reminder that even the mightiest oak tree started out as a nut. And I say that because much of what we talk about on this program is not for everyone, quite frankly. Much of the information heard here would, in certain quarters, uh, be dismissed, ridiculed, perhaps even aggressively opposed. And repeating some of the things you hear on this show might even get you crossed off a few Christmas card lists. <laughs> Believe me, I know that firsthand. Uh, but relax, now you're among friends and like-minded individuals. Uh, just a reminder, I'm off uh, over the next two weeks, and uh, Patrick White the founder of Conspiracy Culture here in Toronto will be sitting in next week. And the following week, the director of Z News Network, Victor Vigiani, will be in the air chair. And I know you will treat them with the utmost respect. It's like, do you remember when you were in school and you had a substitute teacher and you thought you could get away with hell, right? <laughs> Come on now. I'm warning you. I'm not, I'm not warning. I'm asking you. I'm asking you. Treat them well. And because you're good, you're going to be in good hands. These are, uh, very knowledgeable, passionate individuals. Uh, in fact, we're going to welcome Victor Vigiani onto the uh, on the program here in just a moment. And another gentleman who's no stranger to this program, and you've also heard him on Coast, has been working diligently for many years to expose the truth as it pertains to the field of study involving UFOs and uh, ETs, part of this vast UFO disclosure network. And it's always a pleasure uh, when Richard Dolan agrees to come on the program, he is among the world's leading researchers and historians of the UFO subject. He's the author of two volumes of uh, history, UFOs and the National Security State, parts one and two. If you don't have those books in your library, uh, get on down to Conspiracy Culture. My good, fun, good friend Patrick uh, White, I'm sure, has those in stock. You really need to have those if you're going to be sort of you know, forewarned and forearmed about what's really going on. And we're going to delve into that. Uh, some more tonight because Richard has another book, another must-read. This time he's taking a look at not the uh, not only the the whole history of the cover-up, but he's really drilling down and analyzing the nature of the cover-up. The new book is UFOs for the 21st Century Mind, and uh, he's here along with the aforementioned. Victor Vigiani, my co-pilot, whenever we discuss UFOs and ETs on the program. Victor, of course, is the executive director of Zealand News Network and also has been diligently uh, working on behalf of the UFO disclosure movement as well for many, many years. First of all, let's say hello to uh, my good friend Victor. How are you, my friend? Just fine, Richard, and great to be with you again. And uh, the, uh, the aforementioned, of course, Richard Dolan. Hi, Richard. We have spent, you know, you talk about the last 50 years, and, and we have groups like MUFON, and God bless them, but they're still sort of preoccupied with sort of categorizing and cataloging exactly. reports. And, right. you know, a lot of other people say, okay, you, you had me, you know, 20 years ago. Let's take it to the next level. And there are many of those people who are not willing to go there yet, and, and you are, thank God, and, and also people like Victor Vigiani. I mean, are you still yes. getting pushback and resistance from those groups because they're, they're not – ready yet and are willing uh, to take it to the next level as you have done? 
Well, I don't know. When I talk to people directly, I can tell you, Richard, they get turned on by this. They are into what I what I have to say to them. I have not ever met a UFO group or any kind of even casually interested person. If I can't get them for five minutes, I'm serious. And if I can't get them hooked, then I feel there's something wrong with me. I feel like this is a topic that I have given the last 20 years of my life to. I know it as well as anyone can know it at this point, at least who's been researching it. I'm not ashamed to say it. I've dove into it. Uh, and I'm as engaged by this topic as ever. So, no, I think there's been a lot of people in some of those groups who've just been on kind of an autopilot and they've, you know, their mode is, well, let's collect the reports and let's collect the data. And, uh, I think, I think they're just ready to be woken up. And there, it's not just me. There's a lot of other people out there who are looking at this phenomenon, I think, in a, in a more contemporary way. And by that, I'm simply meaning without, um, you know, traditional sort of um, traditional political approach, tra- traditional scientific approach. That is, old-fashioned ufology really didn't delve into deep black budget conspiracy issues, and it needs to. It needs to because that's where a lot of the action is. Old-fashioned ufology did not delve into contemporary science issues like uh, quantum mechanics, like string theory, like consciousness studies, and it needs to because that's where the action is. So I think really where a lot of the new ufology moving forward into this coming century is going to be moving in some of those directions. In other words, a sophisticated politics, sophisticated science, so that we can actually try to make some progress on this. That's why I call it UFOs for the 21st century mind. Well, thank you for elevating you know, the level of, of discourse on this uh, subject. And, and uh, uh, Victor, uh, you jump in here at any moment, but Victor, you know what I was getting at with, with Richard. You know more than most at how fractious and divisive the UFO community is. I mean, you've lived that uh, firsthand as, uh, as well. Talk to me a little bit about the um, importance of uh, – I'm almost talking like you're not in the room, Richard, or in on the conversation. But talk to me about the, the importance of, of, of Richard Dolan's work to the UFO disclosure movement. Well, as you said off the top of the show, um, Richard, you, you mentioned uh, uh, Richard Dolan's first two books, The National Security State, uh, one and two, both volumes. And I've always maintained that those two books, uh, probably in addition to the other ones that he's written, but those two books are – probably the seminal works um, in, in um, ufological history. Uh, the way he approached it uh, as a historian, as a teacher, uh, as someone who has a wealth of knowledge in the area, uh, those two books could, if the uh, universities in, in North America would allow it, could be the, the major components in the curriculum to, um, to uh, have a, a launch point within the universities uh, to begin this higher level of discourse about an issue in an anthropological kind of way, sociological and political way. And I think Richard's first two books, The National Security State 1 and 2, uh, would be the, the launching point for any type of uh, high-level post-secondary school um, uh, examination of the way this issue has developed. And what brought Richard to the point to catalog uh, what he did and wrote those uh, those two books in the way that he did, I'm not quite sure if it was just you know divine inspiration or just hard work or, or whatever it was, but... Uh, Richard has really com- uh, completely overtaken most UFO researchers uh, in this field and brought to bear um, what, I, what I would call a fulcrum in the in the uh, that, that switched us over from just looking at what UFOs are as lights in the sky and tipping that balance into a really political analysis of what this thing really means and sort of um, looking at the underbelly. Of, uh, of society's uh, grasp at, at, and understanding of, of, of the madness and power 
and the collectivism and the status quo. And Richard, in both of those books, put facts out that challenged all of those issues. Go ahead, Richard. Uh, did you want to... Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> did you want to add no, anything, I, I, Victor? I, 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 I'm, uh, to the I, eulogy? I, I, <laughs> no, I the truth. Yeah, <laughs> when I'm dead, you're not with me, Victor. You're, you've got the keynote address. Hey, everybody wants to know what it would be like at their own funeral, so I well, just thought I'd... <laughs> but we I, wish you I'm a long, gratified. happy life. Uh, Very well, gratified to hear that. Well, Richard, I, I just want to say... Well, I, I just want to say that what Victor was saying about the academic approach, when I wrote those two volumes, UFOs and the National Security State, that is exactly what I was trying to set out to do. I wanted those books to be a, a solid intellectual fashion for the reality of the UFO phenomenon and the cover-up and, you know, dealing with the politics and, and also the research, but primarily the, the phenomenon and the cover-up. And I'm, I'm glad that you felt the same way, Victor. Yeah, I think it's really important to make those distinctions because it's the first time it was ever done. And as I said earlier, if you wanted to look at a perfect academic approach to it, those would be the first two books that you'd want. There's lots of other good stuff out there, too. But, I mean, the way you handle it, there's fact after fact after fact. The only other book that I would think would even rival what you're talking about is Terry Hansen's book regarding the media. That would be probably my third choice as a text. love Terry's work. Um, That's a great book. It's an absolutely uh, missing time. Oh, the, the missing time. Uh, yeah, the missing times. The missing times, just by Terry Hansen. And I, I have read that book. Um, actually, it's, it's, I just begin the third reading of it right now. I just, every time I read it, very similar to yours, Richard. Every time I read it, I get gain new insights, new, new, new fascinating points. And it doesn't just reach into the UFO issue. I mean, uh, Terry gets into th- issues like you know the American public was not told that there were over three hundred ships sunk off the eastern coast by, by, by German submarines. Uh, and this mm-hmm. is something that, that, that no one will ever, ever talk about. And that's the underbelly of the, the way the media operates and the way the government forces the media to operate. Sorry, sorry, Victor, to jump in, but I, I can't let that go past just to make sure I heard that correctly. Uh, German uh, U-boats shot down, what, 300 uh, UFOs? No. <laughs> no, American, no, American vessels. No, no it's, uh, ships. Ah, okay. And like ships on the, on the water. All right. Otherwise, I would have had to clear the decks and talk about that well, for the they, next hour. If they but... shot those UFOs down, that would explain the German UFO connection. That would have to be it. All right. Listen, we'll take a time out. And, and, and Richard, <laughs> I, 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 want to, uh, I want to talk a little bit more about UFOs for the 21st century mind. We don't have you for a long time tonight. We'll have you on again. Uh, and, and talk some more, but uh, we'll also get into this uh, party for truth. And I know you're going to yes, be doing this cross-country tour, uh, but I do want to yes. talk a little bit about sort of the one of the, the the things that you get into in the new book, and that is an analysis of the cover-up. And and I, I love to hear you uh, because you do such a cogent job at, at, at explaining that. And uh, I'll get you to do it again on the other yes. side here. Back with more of the Conspiracy Show, Richard Dolan, Victor Vigiani. Stay with us. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Richard Dolan is with us. Just spend a few Mm -hmm. moments, if you could, just sort of setting the table in terms of what you mean by an analysis of the nature of the UFO cover-up. Yeah. Well, when I wrote uh, my first volume of UFOs in the National Security State, that book came out initially in the year 2000. It was a year year and a half before 9-11. And I recall distinctly, a lot of researchers said, oh, my God, this is a crazy, radical book talking about a conspiracy. And I thought, what is wrong with these people? And then comes 9-11, and the entire world becomes radicalized. And suddenly I look at the thesis of my very first volume, and the thing that strikes me about it is how tame it is compared with where I think so many of us are today. 
uh, because what I did back then is simply delineate that a there's an absolutely real phenomenon of unknown craft that are penetrating sensitive airspace. We know this. This is not speculation. This is fact. We have declassified documents proving it. We know that the base commanders were concerned, and we know that they lied about it to the public. We know all of that. Um, we know that this was a secret for years and years and years, and we know that there was collaboration with major media and major academia and all of that. So when I said that uh, now 14 years ago, people were like, oh, my God, that's so radical. Um, so now we've gone a little bit further. I think now the world has grown up a little bit, right, to the fact that we've got an utterly irredeemably corrupt global political financial system. So it's really not such a big deal for me now to go say to people, oh, yeah, well, there's this cover-up on this incredible phenomenon. So I think people are a little bit more awake to it. So how does it actually work? I think that when we talk about the structure of secrecy, right? I have to preface this by saying I'm not in the club, so they haven't really given me all of the details. But I think this is what happened. You go back to the 1940s. Pretend that you're the American president because that's really, I think, where a lot of this truly crystallized and started. Uh, you're Harry Truman, and your top advisors have informed you that not only is there this – crazy phenomenon that no one can explain uh, with apparently radical technology, but that we recovered something of that their stuff, i.e. in a crash retrieval, say Roswell. And one of the things that I point out in all of my research, in particular this new book, UFOs for the 21st Century Mind, is a lot of crash retrieval evidence, quite a lot. So let's, let's just say the U.S. military recovered exotic technology. What are they going to do with it? They're certainly not going to share it with the world. They can't. They cannot share it with the world. They're trying not to share the atomic bomb with the Russians. So why would they share something as exotic as alien technology? So what happened is that of necessity, an ultra-classified ultra, ultra classified program was put into place. And, and it has to be ultra-classified in the sense that you can't even tell Congress about it. You can't let them know that they're funding it. So you have to create what, what we would call now a black budget. The UFO phenomenon, in other words, what I argue, is one of the creators of America's black budget culture and really the global black budget culture, which has followed in its wake. So you get this culture of secrecy. You get these brilliant scientists studying this exotic technology in secret, and they come up with ideas. They come up with innovations. And they come up, in other words, with money-making opportunities. They have no incentive now for giving up the secret. And since the structure of power has become largely privatized, it's always been privatized, for at least for the last several centuries, certainly the last century. So the real nexus of power is outside of the true political uh, system anyway. And we know this is true of the black budget system. It's, it's all privatized. So what we're talking about is this kind of quasi-public, quasi-private group of powerful people who really run the show. You know, just a week or two ago, we had the news article that came out that the top 85 wealthiest people in the world own as much money as the bottom half of the human race. They have as, the top 85 people own as much money as the bottom three and a half billion people. So that's, we're not talking about the top 1%. We're talking about the top 0.1%. And that's how secrecy like this works. You've got a very few people who actually control what they control things. And everything else is deeply compartmented. Um, you've got a very small group of people who are profiting from this, and they know what they want to know, and, and they go beyond nations at this point. The U.S. military is simply a police force for their use. That's it. 
So if they want need the U.S. military to invade a country, to steal someone's oil or to do whatever, they do that. If they need the U.S. military to guard their precious UFO secrets, then they do that too. It sounds um, like they got it pretty locked yeah. down. Uh, Vic- Victor, jump in here. But uh, uh, I mean uh, I get the sense – I'm going to say this and then I'll let Victor jump in. But I get the sense, Richard, that you know, based on your last two books, A.D. After Disclosure and now this, uh, this book, UFOs for the 21st Century Mind, you were sort of preparing – uh, us for the eventuality that this veil of secrecy is all about to come tumbling down imminently. It's it's we're in a battle. We're, we are. It's like in the fifteenth round of the toughest boxing match in history. We've got on the one side forces for kind of a global totalitarian police state, and they are moving in that direction. Everyone can feel it. Everyone can see it. Everyone can. Somehow, and and, and perhaps uh, unbeknownst to. to uh, the higher levels in the, within the media, this whole UFO issue, and as you really articulated very well over the last uh, two or three minutes, the UFO issue has, has given rise to an understanding of all of these other nefarious things that are going on. The, the police state of the of the American army and, and, and military might throw the throughout the, the, the throughout the globe um, uh, the oil industry uh, the fossil the end of fossil fuels the the, the the corrupt nature of the economic system the UFO issue if people would look at it from that perspective has allowed us to see all of the other kinds of things the the, the thin underbelly of which are really wrong with the planet and I think a refocusing uh, as what we're doing uh, people who are in the research community is really allowing people to focus uh, use the UFO issue to focus as a lens on all these other nefarious issues. Well said. Well, very well said. I think that's what I was trying to say, and I think you put it very well, Victor. Mm. Um, I, I will just uh, to finish the thought about uh, where we're headed, Richard. I think on the one hand, there's there's definitely forces for a global totalitarianism, and we're seeing it. It's happening constantly. You know, uh, Barack Obama has been uh, negotiating this uh, Trans-Pacific. The TPP, uh, the Trans-Pacific Trade Agreement, or whatever it is, which is uh, the more you look at it, the more horrible it is. So there's those forces on the one side. And then on the other side is is this wonderful thing. It's still alive. It's called the web, and it's the, it is still being used by the people. In other words, we have a global communication system where we are sharing information. We're communicating with each other every day. We've, I'm doing this with you guys on Skype. You, you know – this type of um, communication just wasn't even available a, a little more than five, six years ago. And we've got so many tools now. Uh, we're doing all kinds of file sharing, both legal and illegal. I think the illegal is just as important as the illegal, by the way, and it can't stop. In a, in a few years, we're going to be having 3D printing, and I'll tell you right now, 3D printing is going to revolutionize this world, and it's going to allow not just ideas to be shared, but technologies to be shared, patented uh, technologies, and probably some classified ones, too, are going to go up there. And just because it's illegal to share those doesn't mean they won't be shared. Imagine in, in about, 15 years being able to print a new yeah. organ, you know, all part of this transhumanist movement. How, yes, and how about a new energy harvesting device that some smart person in Toronto or Kansas City or Calcutta creates and you can download and create and go off the grid? You think that won't be possible? Bet it will. What we're seeing is a battle. This is the crystallization of of the battle between the people and the elite, and it's going to happen. We're going to see it in the next 10, 15 years. The UFO mystery is part of this. It's not the only part of it, but it's a big part of it. 
And so where do I see this coming down? I don't know who's going to win. I don't know if, if we're going to end up, you know, as in Orwell's vision of a, of a boot squashing down the face of humanity forever. If we or, ain't there already. <laughs> well, I know. It's rough. But, but we're not down totally. We're not dead yet. People are still awake. There's still, there's still people willing to speak out. And, um, and there's still enough economic pain out there that there may be people willing to listen. So um, where this will end up, I don't know. I'm certainly never going to count uh, freedom and humanity out. Never. Never. I mean, is there a timeline when, when, uh, when you see this happening, uh, uh, this battle uh, to end all battles? I think, I think a, couple of, a couple of technologies are accelerating this. I mean, you know, we're looking – we have things like WikiLeaks and Anonymous and these groups out there. These are a symptom – of the technological developments that we've we've um, attained. I mean, in other words, WikiLeaks couldn't have happened 10 years ago because we didn't have the global infrastructure to allow it. Now we have that infrastructure. Now we have it. We have Edward Snowden. We have Anonymous. We have things like that. So let's look at the next 10 years, the next 20 years. Within the next 20 years, we are very possibly getting to a, a place where computers will have enough native artificial intelligence that they may pass what's called the Turing test. They may actually seem conscious. Whether they are or not, who knows? But they're, they're going to be intelligent. We get to that point. Some, some have called it uh, the singularity. That could be a real game changer right there. And even before we get to that, we, there, there are going to be new technologies coming online that may very well challenge the secrecy, like 3D printing, like uh, new developments to smartphones. Who know? I can't even imagine them all. So I would say within 20 years, we're going to see a major transformation. It could be 10 years. It could be tomorrow. But I would say conservatively, uh, 20 years, we're going to see a, a major transformation in the whole UFO reality, what we know. And that's going to cause a huge revolution, um, a real revolution. In other words, political, economic, because, you know, you can't just come out there as, as the prime minister or as the president and say, uh, yeah, apparently this is real, folks. Um, you know. And I'm guessing Let's it's not going to, and I'm guessing it's not going to happen that way. Disclosure is not going to be a, a White House press conference. It will only be forced. It will only be when, when they're pressed to the wall and they must because something's happened. Either something's leaked or an event happens that's recorded. You can't deny it. And then they will do it. And then they'll lie. They'll continue to lie about it. But at least it will be out on the table for people to talk about, and that will be the difference. Victor, what do you think it's, entire world. Victor, what do you think is going to push it over the edge? Well, I, I think the whole idea of, of once this critical mass of an idea becomes, as, as Richard is talking about, um, so compelling – that um, it, it will have to come out. It, when an idea of this, of this quality, of this nature, of this uh, transcendental nature um, co- comes about, and when one half of the world is capable of talking to the other half of the world in a split second, in a nanosecond, uh, when, I, when I taught school, that was one of the things I was talking to children about. One day it's going to happen that one half of the world will be able to talk to the other half of the world in an instant, and it's happened. And, and really, it happened in the blink of an eye. Then the next leap is going to be when the ETs, whoever these beings are, and whatever they are, I'm not just saying who and whatever they are, uh, but wherever they're from, be they time travel, once the ETs and once the idea of their presence becomes um, known as the conduit to the cosmos, and that's what's going to happen. Once the realization that these things are real and that the ETs are, are, are who, they, who they say they are, and in fact who they are. And we understand that they are the conduit for us to the rest of the cosmos. 
it will com- it will change the world in ways we won't even be able to understand. All right, to be continued. And um, yeah. Richard, always a pleasure. Thank you, and we'll do this again soon and longer. Loved it, Richard. And uh, Victor, nice talking with you as well tonight. Great stuff, guys. Thanks a lot. Victor, Richard, thank you. When we come back, torture from above. You'll learn all from a medical doctor in San Antonio, Texas, as we discuss electronic harassment. Stay with us. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And Season 3 of The uh, Conspiracy Show television program uh, will be on the air at some point in 2014, I, and uh, there will be an announcement at some point. It's imminent uh, you know, when you'll be able to watch uh, brand new episodes of The Conspiracy Show across Canada on Vision TV. And of course, uh, in the interim, seasons one and two uh, are airing quite frequently on Vision. And I don't get a chance to, to, to watch them, nor do I necessarily want to look at my, my mug <laughs> or listen to my voice uh, constantly. So I don't often see the repeats. But the way I know which episode is airing is I'll get, I'll receive, uh, or in some cases, inundated with emails uh, asking me about, you know, how this episode came together, or they want more information, or people are sharing their personal experiences. And uh, a perfect example of this is I always know when an episode we did in Season 2 on electronic harassment is airing, uh, because I think that more than any other episodes garners more uh, email and feedback than any of the uh, dozens of episodes we've done. And uh, again, just recently, the electronic harassment episode aired because I received probably about three dozen uh, emails in the course of an evening uh, talking about this. And many of those emails were people sharing their personal experiences. And again, these are from what I would consider, you know, highly respectable, respected uh, professional people. Uh, I mentioned uh, several months ago, got an email from an, em- an emergency room doctor uh, who's getting ready to, t- to retire. And then she said in the email, all of these strange things started happening to her, hearing uh, uh, voices in her head, you know, telling her to harm herself or, um, you know, to, to do things she wouldn't normally re- ordinarily think of doing. Uh, and now she says, my life is upside down. How am I going to re- enjoy my retirement? My, you know, I, I have constant sleep disruption and, and all of these symptoms that I've, I've heard, this common denominator from, from people time and time again. And uh, I thought it was time that we, we talk about electronic harassment again on the radio. It's been a while. Uh, and recently, um, I happened to, uh, to meet a gentleman, and I don't know how after, you know, a dozen years doing this show, our paths have never crossed, and I've never had this gentleman on the air, but it's time to rectify it. Uh, he, too, is a, a medical doctor uh, who hails from San Antonio, Texas, and he knows about, all about uh, electronic harassment uh, firsthand, really. This has touched his life in a very, very uh, personal uh, way, and in fact, it's, it's all documented in his book, New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America, and we're about to learn how satellite technology is involved in this electronic torture and harassment and surveillance. Uh, this was a, an eye-opener for me because I'd always been led to believe that a lot of the technology these perps are, uh, are using, and whoever these perps are, I'm, we're not sure, but I always was led to believe that, it's, that their, their technology is ground-based, whether we're talking about some handheld you know, microwave uh, technology 
being held up to a, you know, an apartment wall. Not so, says Dr. John Hall. And, uh, we just have a few moments with him, but I, I, I wanted to, uh, to make his acquaintance again live on the air and, and, and just f- spend a few moments talking about what is becoming increasingly a very, very important uh, topic and more people are waking up to this fact that electronic harassment is real. It's going on. And, um, who knows? You know, you could be affected by it next. Dr. John Hall, that being said, welcome aboard. Welcome to the conspiracy show finally. Hey, Richard. Thanks for having me. How are you tonight? Uh, very well. And, uh, as I say, I, I'm not sure why we've, uh, we've not talked before, but we're gonna, we're gonna rectify that tonight. Uh, I mentioned, uh, Dr. Hall, you're a medical doctor. How did you, first learn about uh, electron- the reality of electronic harassment? Well, I mean, honestly, I knew a little bit about it from some contacts within government circles that I have. Um, it never really saw it as far as a problem with exposure on the general public non-consensually uh, until I uh, had a girl here in San Antonio um, that was complaining about stalking initially Um came to me um, as a friend, not necessarily her physician, um, as well as several other women in San Antonio uh, came to me, voicing these really odd complaints, you know, hearing voices uh, being followed by you know organized groups of stalkers that uh, were unknown to her. These weren't scorned loved ones, or you know, no reason that she would be under any type of you know police surveillance or anything, uh, and break-ins, and I decided to. You know, kind of take her up on it. I've, I've known this woman for a while. I knew she didn't have a drug problem, uh, didn't have any any known mental illness uh, that I knew of. I'd known her a long time, so I gave her the benefit of the doubt. And you know, I said, you know what? Well, let's do some counter surveillance. Um, you know, this you know, not typically what you would get from coming to your physician, I guess. But um, we um, started doing some counter surveillance with her. Uh, put um, digital voice-activated audio recorders in her condo. Um, and sure enough, uh, people were breaking into her condo. People were following her everywhere she went. Uh, we tracked the plate numbers down. They came back to a um, former FBI fraud investigator now running a private investigative service in the San Antonio area um, that hired nothing but his relatives to work for him. Uh, and I had heard of this individual before in professional circles, uh, was told that he was the go-to guy <clears throat> if you wanted to harass your competitors. Uh, and, and medicine in San Antonio has become somewhat of, of an organized crime um, type situation here. It's so competitive um, that that out often does happen. So the perps in some cases, I mean, we we tend to think in terms of uh, some shadowy government agency, and, and, and they may be involved at some level. But in many instances, this technology or these tactics are being utilized uh, by, as you say, uh, you know, some, someone who's simply interested in running the competition out of whatever business it is, or it could be a neighbor that wants you out of their low-rent uh, or, or rent-controlled apartment building. That's exactly right, and, and I have met with a lot of victims who are actually are being targeted by their homeowners associations. Um, but at it, the at the base of it, the technology is still relatively classified and has to come from a government source. And if you look at any of the mind control or mind manipulation uh, programs from the past, MKUltra, uh, and a number of any other of the programs that were under MKUltra. Uh, typically, the government didn't do the research or do the experimentation directly itself. It was usually done through a front company 
organized uh, as legitimate research through a university. And that's also what we're seeing today with electronic harassment. You know, like the people we identified here is a private investigative service. Of course, it's ran by a former FBI guy. Access to the technology is not something that that you or I could usually directly come by. All right, let me jump in here. Uh, Dr. John Hall, author of A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America. We'll find out what satellites have to do with electronic harassment when The Conspiracy Show continues right after this. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. I think most of us by now uh, are, are waking up to the fact that we are living, you know, in the age of surveillance. And, of course, all of these uh, uh, revelations uh, regarding the National Security Agency. And uh, now we're learning things about, you know, all our, our, our computer routers, our Internet routers have, have these back doors. And Internet providers are, have these secret handshakes with the intelligence gatherers to allow them, you know, key loggers and uh, web cameras now that uh, activate when you don't... Uh, you don't even think your computer's turned on. Uh, your cell phone can be activated. Uh, then we had, of course, the case of, uh, um, uh, you know, the Washington naval shooter and, and, and on his uh, on the uh, the weapon. He, uh, I believe, it was inscribed "My ELF friend," electro, um, the electromagnetic or extremely low frequency ELF, extremely low frequency. This is apparently one of the the uh, the tactics that are used for for mind control and electronic harassment. We had the case of uh, Miriam Carey. This this um, this woman who was gunned down by the Washington uh, police, unarmed, um, who were told had some sort of underlying mental health condition, although there were reports that she said she was also hearing uh, voices. Now, one might easily dismiss that as, again, schizophrenia or, or um, something, but you start to connect the dots and you start to realize there is something going on. You hear from reputable professional people that this is happening to them. And it makes you wonder. Dr. John Hall is with us, the author of A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America. Uh, so uh, educate me here, Dr. Hall. Again, I, I'm thinking a lot of this stuff is basically ground-based, you know, uh, 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 weaponry or, or, or uh, gadgetry, something that you could, you know, take a microwave oven, tear off the door, um, adapt it somehow, and all of a sudden, you know, you can give your, your neighbor um, uh some sort of you know biological effect or disorder, sleep disruption, etc. But you're saying it's 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 gone way beyond that. Oh yeah, I mean, and I've seen the <clears throat> the same website where you've seen that picture, and certainly that can be done. You can certainly develop a weapon that way. It wouldn't be very specific. Uh, you wouldn't be able to target an individual very well without being able to see them in the room. I mean, you could certainly target the side of the home and, and hope the occupants are in that room you're targeting. Um, but, yeah, when after I chronicled uh, the story of this girl in San Antonio and my book got released, I was almost immediately bombarded with thousands of emails a day uh, from victims that um, were experiencing the exact same thing. Um, coming from a medical perspective, you know, it, I'm not saying mental illness doesn't exist or schizophrenia doesn't exist or delusional do- disorder doesn't exist. Certainly it does. But when all of a sudden you see, you know, we estimate 300,000 people all voicing identical complaints, identical complaints about the stalking, identical complaints about initially having tinnitus or ringing in the ears, 
magnetophosphenes, which are basically flashing lights that you see with your eyes closed when you're trying to go to sleep, uh, which is the same thing we see when you're in an MRI, when your optic nerves are being bombarded uh, with electromagnetic energy. Uh, it's, a, it's a symptom of being bombarded by electromagnetic energy as well as the hearing voices and the you know, central nervous system manipulations. Coming from a medical perspective, I have to look at that and say, you know, is this experimentation? It appears to be um, being done uh, with a manual. You know, there's a, definitely a methodology about the way it's being done. And then if you look at some of the releases that Snowden's had, you know, about some of the ways they're actually scanning our computers and scanning our phones with continuous wave radar, activating a chip that's placed in the computer that transmits the data off of your screen up to eight miles away, then it's not too far of a jump to see that this can be used on the brain as well. And a lot of these victims would come to me uh, thinking the same thing, that it was ground-based uh, equipment based on videos or reports they had seen about the LIDA machine out of Russia uh, from the late 70s. And um, we've taken some of these victims out to desolate ranches where there's no cell phone signals, there's no electrical power lines, they still hear voices, they still get attacked. We've had them on boats in the Gulf of Mexico, they still hear voices, they still get attacked. We've had them three stories underground um, in bunkers that were actually built during the Cold War uh, to prevent bombings. And they still hear voices and they still get attacked. You mentioned the voice, um, the voices in, in the head, and, 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 and people can go online and, and, and see for themselves. I mean, these, there, there are patents uh, for voice-to-skull technology, and it's not just a patent and a number. I mean, these have been demonstrated, and on the, uh, the U.S. Army website, there was uh, information about this. I believe they call it V2K, or voice-to-skull uh, technology. This stuff is real, folks. Oh, yeah, and if you look at the Army actually came out with a, a document called the uh, uh, Addendum to the Bioeffects of Non-Lethal Weapons, and they describe to a T the microwave auditory effect. They don't call it V2K, but they do call it the microwave auditory effect, or MAE, uh, and they go on to say its value, uh, in, which it does have a value. It's not necessarily an evil technology. It's, it's being used for evil mostly right now, but... They talk about the value in using this during a hostage crisis where you can communicate with the hostages without the hostage taker hearing. And they go on in this document to talk about um, using it on enemy combatants uh, and imagine the disorientation they'll have when they begin to hear voices in their head. Uh, and they do go on to say that it can't be recorded uh, even with a microphone placed in the inner ear um, of the recipient. Where do the, where do the uh, satellites uh, come in now, uh, Dr. Hall? I mean, how are satellites, which are, you know, minimum, what, 200 miles up into the uh, um, atmosphere or out, out in space, how do, how, how do the satellites come into this picture? Well, actually, once we saw that these victims were hearing this and being attacked, whether they got on a plane, um, I even had one victim that... Uh, is financially well off that actually you know flew from Texas to Mexico to Cuba to South America. He thought if he got into Cuba in a communist country that maybe this would stop and was attacked and hearing the voices the whole way on the plane. I've got a physician here that experienced the same thing. You know, there's not many technologies that can track you literally everywhere you go other than satellite. So I called in a favor to a friend of mine that's actually with the CIA. Uh, and ran this by him and, you know, and said, you know, this is what we're dealing with. Uh, what can you tell me uh, without getting yourself in trouble? 
And he did verify that we do have directed energy weapons platforms uh, on satellite platforms. Um, now, he didn't necessarily verify the fact that they could communicate voices that way, but he definitely did verify the fact that we have directed energy weapons systems on satellite, which is the other thing that these victims are experiencing. It's not strictly just hearing voices and trying to manipulate them subliminally. Um, it's a lot of times these victims are being zapped uh, with direct forms of directed energy, whether it's microwave or millimeter wave, um, burns on the skin, burns in the eyes, burns on the genitals, while all along someone is telling them they're doing it in their head. So, and, and like you said, most of these victims are well-educated, professional people. A lot of the victims I've dealt with have been doctors, have been lawyers, have been whistleblowers with the National Geospatial Agency or the NSA itself. Uh, do they, uh, we use the, the term they, whoever these perps are, uh, and that's, you know, an entirely different show, I suppose, but do they deliberately choose individuals uh, that are easily discredited because of an already pre-existing condition, whether it's um, uh, some sort of a mental disorder or perhaps even an, an addiction. It would appear that way, and if you look at the uh, MK Ultra studies, it was always done that way. Uh, in this country, there's really no laws against experimenting on the public, and believe it or not. And um, you know, if we look in the past, we've Willowbrook School, we've experimented on, on mentally ill children, we've experimented on prisoners that are incarcerated, we've MKUltra targeted women with postpartum depression, targeted men that were using prostitutes, uh, as well as GIs. So, um, you know, there, it, some of it appears to be random, and some of it appears, at least with whistleblowers, to be very specific. For the random cases, uh, those people have no clue. They have no, you know, they didn't. They, they never worked for a defense contractor. They've never, you know, uh, not. They're not whistleblowers. What's going on here? You use the term experimentation. So someone's just messing with them because they can, and they want to learn what. Well, I mean, in, now I'm just extrapolating this because certainly I don't have access to any of the classified documents of it. But it would appear to me when you see that random of a selection, and it is a random selection when the numbers are all crunched, because we've done studies through freedom uh, from covert surveillance and harassment and questionnaires, um, that it appears like a random sample and that possibly, you know, as conspiratorial as this sounds, that, you know, they're doing long-term studies to see how effective this will be to use to control a global population. You know, from a medical point of view, uh, shooting that kind of electromagnetic energy at someone for you know possibly a decade at a time, you would want to know if there's any weird tumors that are going to arise, any weird blood disorders that are going to arise, um, because those are the things that are going to cue people off that possibly they're under exposure. So um, that would be my guess. Um, there's not much other reason to do long-term studies other than to find out those types of things. And a lot of these victims have been victimized for 10 years or greater. That's the truth. I mean, I, I've heard some harrowing tales. I know you have, but I've heard some, uh, you know, cases where people have been uh, harassed essentially for for decades, 30 years in some cases, and how these people are able to hold it together uh, after being essentially tortured. Imagine, tortured for 30 years. Uh, just a testament to their inner strength, really. I mean, what what can you do for these people? Well, I mean, there's some coping mechanisms, and, you know, from some of the studies and that we've done, uh, we have found some ways to 
not necessarily defeat the technology, but at least deal with the technology. Uh, luckily, I was able to talk to some of the people doing research with directed energy at, at Brook City Base uh, early on, or at least early on before the book came out. <laughs> um, but um, and got some pointers from them on some of the things they use um, to help uh, the body heal after uh, chronic exposure to electromagnetic magnetic fields, uh, which are basically very strong antioxidants because as it turns out when your body is bombarded with electromagnetic radiation for long periods of time you release a lot of free radicals and free radicals in the body cause premature aging can cause cataracts can cause blood dysgrasias um, damage the immune system uh, open the door for various cancers so one of the things we do is um, get them on the right supplementation to at least help defend against the directed energy attack and um, some of the research has shown, um, and from some of the whistleblowers that have worked on the research, has shown that most of this is being done by targeting the EEG of the brain. Uh, and there are methods to actually alter the EEG and lessen the ability for them to target. Literally that, hacking into our brains. They're literally hacking into our brains. Yeah, literally hacking into your brains. And if you look at some of the early research um, out of Russia, that eventually came here with the LIDA machine, which I, you know, when I know when we talked, you know, before, you know, you had mentioned that, and that's a that's a, a term I haven't heard in a long time. That's really old technology, but um, you know, the LIDA machine was essentially an elk wave uh, generator you know, that was controllable, and they could actually uh, cause hallucinations and to some extent pass data through the light of machine into people's brains and make them hear voices or see hallucinations or have audio hallucinations, which is exactly what we're still seeing, but just on a larger scale. Um, and with obviously not being done, at least nothing that's handheld anywhere close to these people. Well, listen, we, um, we sadly, we're out of time, but uh, I'm glad we met, and I want to get you back on uh, for a much longer uh, a period. We'll do that in the near future, and uh, we'll also, uh, there are so many people out there who need, you know, your experience and your sage advice to talk about what's happening to them. I mean, I'm getting the emails, and I can only do so much for them. I can basically talk about it on the air and let them know they're not alone. But if you'd be good enough to come back on soon, and uh, we'll open up the lines and, and, and let the uh, the people that are being subjected to this electronic torture uh, speak to you directly, that would be a, a huge benefit to my audience. Oh, that would be great, Richard. Anytime, I'll, I'll be glad to join you. All right. Uh, well, until then, Dr. John Hall, again, author of A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. All right. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for your uh, capable production, as always. Next week, Patrick White sitting in the uh, the air chair. And then the following week, Victor Vigiani. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. Coming home.